now you caged in This is what boys turn to made men This ain't no game, ain't no playpen Come with the hook and the kick, now your stomach is sick and there ain't no escaping Come to the cage and get knocked out Come into work and get clocked out Get hit with uppercut, straight to the uppercut Down for the count and he can't even talk now This MMA, what we talking about? Yeah, you tuned into the pod now Gonna be hard for you to stop now Yeah, we caged in Welcome back to another episode of Caged In. I'm your host, Chris DiCarlo. Got a very special guest on the line with me today. He's fighting at UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Spivak on February 4th. It's Adam Fugit. How are we doing today, my man? Doing well, man. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, bro. Thank you for, you know, taking some time to come talk to me. I appreciate it. I know you're in the middle of fight camp. You got a fight coming up, so I appreciate the time. Of course, man. Not just anything to, to get myself out there to, to help somebody else out as well. For sure, man. I appreciate it. Um, man, let's get into your background a little bit, man. Where were you born and raised? Kind of what was growing up like for you? And, you know, what's the backstory there? Oh, man, I was born right here in uh, Eugene, Oregon, born and raised. Um, yeah, man, <laughs> just kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I guess I, I grew up in my dad's childhood home and and basically went through the same footsteps that he did, same elementary school, same middle school, same high school. It's kind of odd going there and yeah. teachers already kind of know your family and stuff and having teachers that worked with him as well so that was kind of my childhood so yeah this is where for i've been for sure man i relate to that as well you know i grew up in the same town as where both my parents grew up in and you know going to middle school high school i met your school with a lot of the same teachers that they had as well so i can relate to you on that aspect as well um were you an athlete growing up uh, did you play any sports you know what was kind of like your outlet there Oh yeah, just always in sports. Um, shoot, I don't even remember a time where I wasn't participating in some kind of sport. Um, baseball was huge growing up. Um, my uncle um, was a was a coach, and uh, I, I played baseball with my cousin and, and actually multiple cousins. Uh, we were on the same team, and um, yeah, eventually, you know, I was always kind of a high-strung kid, so. I loved baseball, but it wasn't the physical outlet that I that I wanted needed. I guess mm-hmm. I'd say I tried football um, for a few years. Just wasn't my thing. Didn't really care for the for the contact there, mm-hmm. the the collisions with the helmet to helmet and stuff. And right. I found wrestling, and man, that was that was it, man. I, I found my sport. I I knew um, exactly what I wanted to do, and it took me a couple more years to let go of all the other sports and just focus on on wrestling, but. Thinking back on it, I wish I would have let go of that stuff a lot sooner and just focused on on my, my wrestling game for sure. Right. And how did that kind of lead you into mixed martial arts? Kind of how'd you get into the gym first and how'd you start your MMA journey? Oh, man. After uh, one year of uh, junior college, basically, um, over here on the coast, just made the adult decision that, you know, going and spending a bunch of money to just wrestle wasn't very intelligent you know um Mm. i didn't have any plans outside of competing and wrestling so i came back and uh in the midst of looking for a job i found a jujitsu um gym and um started doing jujitsu and immediately just you know just for another outlet and uh because i wasn't done competing and uh that that owner of that gym eventually merged with the gym i'm at now and i walked in there the, the gym i'm at now for the first time and uh 
said, you know what? I probably should take a striking class because I'm I'm pretty comfortable wrestling and doing grappling, but I've never I've never struck and a little bit of backyard boxing. Me and the friends used to do was never really right. comfortable. So I walked into my first Muay Thai class and uh, I don't know if the, the trainer didn't care for me or something. <laughs> And uh, oh man, I got I got my butt kicked by the the guy on the mat that day. And oh no, I decided you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time and does dedicate some energy and effort here. And so I fought Muay Thai for three years after that, just strictly Muay Thai. And nice. Eventually came back around full circle to MMA as the plan was kind of always do that. Yeah, man. You mentioned your gym. I know you train over at Art of War MMA. Is that your primary gym? And um, do you have any other places that you kind of outlet to during fight camp or are you just primarily at art of war full-time primarily i'm at art of war um i've been lucky lucas barbosa has moved into town and he um opened up autos northwest over here mm-hmm. so um going and, and getting to grapple with a, a guy like that um that caliber of jiu-jitsu is amazing as well so i've been going over there as well but art of war is primarily my home um that's you know, um, there's a couple other places here in town, um, performance um, jiu-jitsu, where Brent Primus is at. Nice. I go and train him a little bit here and there, too. We, we all kind of try to, us three try to meet up and, and train um, here in town. So it just depends on which gym. At, like last night, we were at Art of War, but um, right. it just depends on the time. Yeah, man, that's awesome. How much does, you know, Art of War mean to you and kind of what has that gym, um, how have they helped you kind of develop your game to the point in, of your career that you're at right now? I mean, it means it means a lot. I mean, hence why I haven't left. I've always said, you know, I wanted to be the the guy to blaze that Oregon Trail. Um, you know that we've had a lot of good fighters come out of Oregon. Evan right. Dunn, um, Brent Primus, Colby Covington. You know, um, add my name to that list. And mm-hmm. um, for the most part, you know, um, nobody's done it and and um, stayed here in Eugene. Um, Colby moved out to Florida, Evan moved out to Vegas, um, Brent Primus goes up to Portland, you know, um, and so I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be the guy to, to kind of, you know, blaze that trail. Like we got, we had another pro in Art of War that was very close to doing that as well, Chris San Jose. Um, and that's it, just been a, a goal of mine to, you know, um, not that you can't take everybody with you, but the people that have been closest to me and that have cared the most about my, my journey and my dream, um, I, I, I try to do my best to, to kind of, you know, lift them up and, and carry them with me as I'm, I'm, I'm going through this process. For sure, man. Much respect for that. Uh, let's get into your fight history a little bit, man. I know you are pretty decorated in your pro career so far. You have a few belts um, around your waist. Um, let's talk about uh, X1 World Events a little bit. I know you're the welterweight champion, or you were the welterweight champion there for promotion out of Hawaii, where they've had a lot of great fighters come out of there. You know, Max Holloway, Ray Cooper, Brad Tavares, you know, all fought for that organization and were champions as well. Um, so what was your experience like with X1 and kind of, um, you know, the, the couple fights that you had there? Like, um, how'd you feel about that organization and what you learned over there? You know, um, I can't say the experience was uh, perfect, but it's definitely ended in in respect over there. Um, a foreigner comes in, man. I, I get it. Yeah, it, that nobody wants to see that belt go home to back to the the mainland. You know, um, right? They're very prideful over there. They're you know, um, and you know, they care about their fighters. They support their fighters, and they want that. You know, they want. They want their belts to stay in Hawaii, and I, I have nothing but respect for that. And you know, um, 
they're also very tough competitors over there. So both my opponents over there, I give, you know, my hats off to them. They're both very tough guys, um, very, um, you know, tough matchups. Um, they, you know, they, they came in there to win. And um, the first fight, you know, I, um, that I had over there ended with uh, some fans not being too happy. And they had to kind of escort me out the back. You know, they didn't like that the Howley came in and, and did his work. And right. um, the second time I had kind of, earned their respect and at least they they knew what i was bringing to the table and they i fought another very respectful um fighter on the island um we just we put on a show and i came out on top you know on top of that one and um i think they finally just like okay hey this guy's good you know but uh we don't want to see him back here so uh you know the pandemic happened so i'm kind of joking around i i would definitely like to go back out there and fight whenever i could for sure, for sure. I know Hawaii is very a, it's such like a cultural state and, you know, they have nothing but love for their homegrown talent there. So I'm sure a guy like you was being like the out of towner coming in and, you know, taking that belt back to Eugene was a little tough for them to swallow. But props to you, man. That's that's huge. It's not easy to go into enemy territory and pull out one dub, never mind two in a belt. So props to you for that. Um, nothing but respect. Um, I saw I saw something else on your record, too, man. You fought. Uh, what was the pure combat 2019 you fought in a traditional ring um, yeah. versus a cage um, what was the experience like for you fighting MMA in a traditional ring like that um, instead of a cage oh man it took me back to my Muay Thai days getting to push people into the corners you know those uh those corners can be unforgiving you know you just you get stuck in them yeah um, where the octagon, you kind of always have that room to, to slide a little bit. Um, but yeah, it just takes me back to my Muay Thai days, pushing people up against the ropes, um, trying to use that, that, that kind of bounce back to throw some knees. Um, the, the takedowns themselves are uh, up against the, the fe- uh, not the fence, the, the, the ropes. Right. Definitely, they're more difficult. You know, the, the ropes give a lot more, they have a lot more give. And yeah. Fence is going to keep a guy there. So, um, we already knew that kind of going in. So any kind of like takedowns off the ropes, we're trying to avoid that. We're trying to hit takedowns out in the, in the open if that was going to be the path, you know. Um, but as far as for striking, you know, um, get, using the, the ropes to kind of bounce your opponent back into, you know, a potential shot that you throw, be it a knee or an elbow, you know, mm-hmm. um, trying to just pin them in the corner, you know. Um, you r- really – put the uh the whole what we call the triangle offense on them when you can right. hit them in that corner they can't move right they can't move left so yeah you know um yeah i don't know it's it's definitely it was definitely different but uh it's also got its advantages for sure yeah man i had to ask you about it because that's one of those things we don't see too much anymore in mma um usually everybody's fighting in cages and it just kind of reminds me of like the old school like pride days so whenever i see somebody throwing down in, in a traditional ring in mma i think it's pretty cool so i figured i'd pick your brain about that and ask you about it but it's a pretty cool experience definitely I, it was i i very much enjoyed it hell yeah all right man. lfa 125 let's get into that one you fought a hot up-and-coming prospect solomon renfro who's coming off the contender series and you went in there and you put him out in the first round um what was that experience like for you kind of going in there versus um a prospect like him and you know doing what you do and putting him away in the first round and, and on a, a big stage like lfa kind of what was that that feeling and experience like for you uh, a lot of different experience uh experiences there um emotions i guess is a better word mm. um coming off the layoff you know not for a lack of trying to fight but um just not getting a fight for almost two years um it 
we definitely didn't talk about the fight going into it because we just it was almost like this phobia that if, we, if somebody brought it up too soon it it would fall through right so having two years of layoff then that phobia you know just basically preaching in my my mind the whole time that you know preparation meets opportunity and and this is it and just you know whatever is going to happen is going to happen and i've prepared myself for the worst and just having an ultimate trust going in there um and then finally just to go in there and know what i was capable of um taking that fight i had people going what the heck are you doing you know like, you you don't have to fight this guy you're only like one or two fights away and you know and i don't I don't, I don't like to think that I, I, I run away from anybody. I, I'll say I, I want to fight the best that I can, and that's what I'm here for. Um, I want to prove it's a constant, um, constant battle of me proving myself to myself that I deserve to be here. That um, you know um, I am that good. I want to be one of those guys, and so I don't I don't see myself you know shunning away from fighting anybody. And so I wanted to fight the best, and that's the the matchup they were given, and we like the matchup going in. We, for sure. That, you know um so um and then the ultimate goal of getting the finish in the first round and redeeming myself for the first lfa fight you know i took on short notice and up a weight class and you know knowing what i'm capable of knowing you know hey that you know just one loss doesn't define me as a fighter two losses doesn't define you as a fighter It's, it's how you get back in the gym it's how you um prepare for the next it's how um you constantly grow you know Oh yeah, man. That's it, really. For sure, man. For sure, I respect that a lot. Um, you know, let's get into your UFC debut a little bit. You know, you took that fight on short notice versus Michael Morales at UFC 277. Um, what was it like getting the phone call to get that opportunity to go to the UFC and um, the decision behind taking this fight? I mean, it, it was surreal for sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to say that I had some gigantic, like you know emotional moment but i was more like shocked and then kind of frozen Mm. in my seat and you know um as a fighter you get into the sport and that's what you want to be want to do you want to go and wear those three letters and and step inside and hear your name being called out by bruce buffer and you know getting to shake hands with joe rogan and dana white that's what you want to do and you know um I had, you know, through the pandemic and some other stuff, I kind of come to terms with maybe my time had passed. Maybe I wouldn't be able to, to reach that, that pinnacle. And, you know, um, but I'm not, I'm stubborn, you know, um, yeah. so I'm not going to be deterred. I'm going to continue to do what I, I can and be the best fighter that I can be. And um, to get that call was just, you know, it was a surreal moment and just um, a real, you know, um, just put me at a, a real loss for words. I just kind of sat there and, and, you know, basked in the, in the moment a little bit. <laughs> mm, for sure, man. I mean, that's the call that everybody that's, you know, outside the UFC, that's the call everybody's waiting for. So I'm sure that, um, there was a lot of emotions and, you know, a lot of things going through your head and, you know, you went in there, you made your UFC debut. It obviously didn't go your way, but you know, we're, we're coming back for a second one, February 4th. Um, on UFC Fight Night versus Yusaku Kinoshida. Um, how do you feel about this matchup for you? What do you know about your opponent, and how do you feel that you match up stylistically versus him? Um, it it, it kind of reminds me of another Solomon um, fight. You know, I, I like the matchup. Um, he's he's um, very confident in his hands. Um, 
got a lot of confidence in his boxing actually and then you know he's kind of got this like kempo karate style he stands really bladed um and just um i just don't see an area that i don't match up well with him you know mm. um if he you know first off he's gonna have to kind of break through that that barrier i'm gonna set it's my space it's my pace and my space um and and he's gonna have to try to you know basically cut the distance there and and if he does uh, uh too recklessly or um you know if he does without you know purpose he's you know he can find himself getting tied up real quick where uh, i'm very comfortable in the clinch and using mm -hmm. my knees and my elbows and you know or worse he can find himself on his back and um since the morales fight i, I definitely have a little chip on my shoulder um from that first round and losing that takedown and and allowing my opponent to get back up to a, a, a position of uh, 50 50 and and i want to prove to you know not only uh, myself but um to the ufc also that if i get somebody on the ground i'm going to keep them there and and you know they're very much in danger of being finished from there too because i i do hold my grappling in high regards and so yeah you know if he isn't careful he's going to find himself getting taken down as well for sure man uh when you visualize this fight you know i'm sure you're going through the mental game as well you know visually in the fight visually visualizing um how you're going to perform and the matchup versus him how do you ideally see this fight you know going down for you are you like someone that likes to throw out predictions or um do you have a a certain finish that you see in your mind when you visualize this fight i keep saying i i, I want my i want the ko and and i do I, I want the ko i want to be known as an exciting entertaining fighter somebody that puts on good fights but let's be honest like a ko isn't is it necessary i i want the finish though um and i'm gonna take it however i can get it you know, um, referee stoppage, TKO, submission. I, I'm just, I want fans to know anytime, anytime I go in there that I'm, I'm hunting that finish, you know, I, and, you know, I, I think my record kind of shows that, um, it's, it's either finishing people or being finished. So, um, you know, I put myself out there on the line every time I happen there and, and, you know, in hopes of putting on a big performance and, and getting a, a good finish. For sure, man. This fight night card is taking place at the UFC Apex. Your first UFC experience, you know, was in Dallas. Big sold-out crowd at UFC 277. Now you're going to the Apex to fight in front of, like, a minimal crowd. Um, how does that kind of play out for you in preparations as far as, like, fighting in front of a giant crowd and then fighting in front of, like, maybe a few hundred people instead? You know, I've never, never been in this situation, so... Um... I'm just going to stick to my guns and say it, it doesn't change at the end of the night. It's a fight. Um, it's a, it's an opportunity to go in there and, and perform. It's an, an opportunity to go in there and show people who I am and that I belong here. And that's, you know, that's what I'm going to stick with. Um, yeah. Nine days now going into Dallas, you know, yeah. I never fought in that, in that big of a venue or on that big of a show in my life. So it can't be much different than that. For sure, for sure. Uh, how do you feel about the landscape of this UFC as welterweight division? When you look at it, um, how do you feel about your place in this division and kind of, um, you know, anybody in particular that you have your eye on that you would like to fight, you know, maybe sometime in, before your career's over or maybe before the end of the year? Um, to be honest, the landscape, I haven't really quite took it all in. I mean, let's be honest, where I'm at right now, I, I very much look like I'm a, 
a gatekeeper. I'm holding the keys to getting in the UFC, yeah. I guess you could say. If, if you, um, and I don't want to be just the guy holding the keys to the to the front entrance. You know, I definitely want to be working my way up the stairs a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, I'd like to, you know, I, I don't feel confident right now I'm call, making call-outs or anything. And so sure. um, there are guys in the division that I, I've watched growing up, and I, I'd love to – to um get in there and test myself against them guys like a robbie lawler or jorge masvidal but let's let's be honest like a call out for me to those guys is pretty ridiculous Um, that's that's not gonna happen i'm 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 peanuts as far as they're concerned you know um but yeah you know um this is a it's a ladder for a reason right there's a right each step has got a person on it and I'm just going to try to continue to work my way up that ladder. And if by the the time I'm done, I'm able to fight some of those um, hall of famers or eventual hall of famers that I've watched growing up, um, then I'll be, I'll be happy and ecstatic about it. For sure, man. You know, you know, never say never. It is one of those things where you string together a few wins and you never know what kind of doors will open for you. So um, hopefully we get that started on February 4th, get your first UFCW. And then, you know, we start getting you up that ladder and, you know, start start uh, making a name for yourself in the, in the division. And you get some of those big fights that you're looking for, man. So, um, you know, nothing but respect and admiration for you and what you're working towards. And um, I hope you get to get everything out of your UFC career that you want and you possibly can man so big ups to you bro i appreciate all that positive positivity right there man i really do yes sir yes sir all right man before i get you out of here um i got a few just like random fun questions to throw at you um get you out of here quick you know i said i would get you out of here in a little bit so let's wrap it up and let's get some fun ones in um what's your your go-to post-fight meal uh Go to post fight meal. Yeah, you got anything particular that you always like craving after a fight now that you like to go, you know, crush after after a hard night's work. Uh, so we, post uh, post fight. Um, let's see. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard because usually you're in a different spot. You know, you're just trying to pick out a, a restaurant. Right. Uh, you know, I think last time in Dallas I went with some pasta. There you go. You know. Heavy on the carbs. Yeah, I went heavy on the. I think it was like an Alfredo too. So there you go. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it just kind of depends on where I end up. Um, I like a good steak. Um, sure. I like some pasta. You know, um, if that steak comes with a potato, it better be a loaded potato with <laughs> uh, you know sour cream and bacon on top and some onions in there or something. You know. But, there you uh, go. Yeah, that's. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! all dependent on where you're at definitely um do you have a favorite movie uh yeah i you know i went with uh the departed yeah you can't go wrong yeah you can't go wrong with with that one um oh brother wow or our thou I, I love that movie as well yeah um but yeah um I'm always caught off guard in those things. I've watched way too many movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big uh, movie and TV show guy too, so it's hard for me. If somebody asked me that, it'd be hard for me to pick out just one too. Um, right. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Mm. The best piece of advice I've mm. ever been given. Um, let's see. <laughs> 
just catching me off guard. I know, uh, man. I'm just throwing them out of left field at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if it was given to me or if I, I, I just, you know, came across it. But it's, mm-hmm. it's that, um, it's kind of like that, that mom of mentality. Um, it's probably a YouTube video, if anything. But just Kobe Bryant talking about, you know, every day you wake up and. You know, if you're an athlete, if you're an aspiring athlete, you know, it, it comes with work. You, you know, um, none of it. Sure, there's a bunch. There is people that are naturally gifted, but without development, without practice, then that's all they are is just naturally gifted. And, um, you know, and if you're not naturally gifted, you know, the only way you're going to develop those skills is by getting out there and putting that work in. So, um, you know, just every day that you wake up, you know, um, you get out there, you put yourself in the environment to, to basically, you know, develop and, and build those skills. Yeah, for sure, man. That mama mentality that you spoke on, man, that's something serious. I mean, that's, you know, Kobe lived by a certain lifestyle and, um, you know, any athlete that kind of, you know, follows, follows that mentality is usually finds success because it's something powerful there. So RIP Kobe and, you know, I respect that you, that you brought that up. Um, this one might kind of hit home for you a little bit, man. Um, in real life, would you rather lay your eyes on Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster? Which one would you rather see for yourself? Oh, man. Uh, that's anxiety. When I get in the water, man, I'm always worried <laughs> that something's going to be trying to get a hold of me. So yeah. I'd rather see, I'd rather see um, Sasquatch than I would, would um, the Loch Ness, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know you're up there in, in Eugene, Oregon, so I know that's kind of a big part of, you know, the the lore of the woods up there and whatnot so you have any like any crazy stories from anybody up in up in that region oh i uh, no i mean nothing no. that's not old man, wise man's tale yeah know. for sure um, but, I, so, I know i made i made a trip up to the pacific northwest you know a few years ago and you know everywhere you go like everything is kind of like bigfoot you know sasquatch type stuff so i thought that one was kind of kind of you know hit home for you since you're from that region as well for sure. <laughs> All right, man. Last one before I get you out of here. Um, if you were the host of a late night talk show, who would be your dream guest to have on that show? Oh, shit. Um, it was a late night talk show host. Yeah, you have anybody that like you idolize that you'd love to just like sit down and have a one-on-one conversation with? <laughs> um... I think it'd be cool to talk to Jim Carrey, man. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting dude, so that's a good pull. Yeah, I th- I think so. I grew up on Jim Carrey films and and whatnot. And, yeah. But yeah, he just uh, knowing a little bit about his life and that um, near death experience that he had, you know, like um, that would be interesting to have a conversation with that man. Oh, for sure, for sure. All right, Adam, I appreciate you, bro. Thanks for taking the time out to come chop it up with me. Best of luck on February 4th. Um, go get that W. Uh, you have anything that you want to say before I get you out of here? Anything you want to plug? Any social medias you want people to come find you at? Uh, just, uh, you know, shout out to um, Brad's Cottage Grove Chevrolet, Evergreen Roofing, Curse Large, um, Art of War MMA, Autos Northwest, um, Hot Valley Brewing, that, just for all the, the support. Shout out to uh, um, my guy Connor McAdams for helping me with my my weight cut, um, and shout out to my my girlfriend Sophie Ling. 
Oh, yeah, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for taking the time. Like I said, best of luck to you on February 4th. Hopefully, I'll get to talk to you again soon. All right, man. You have a good one. Thanks, man. You too.